Our scripture reading would be 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 30 and 31. Could you please stand as we read? First Corinthians chapter 1, verses 30 and 31. When you're there, say amen. 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 And I'll read in your hearing. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Amen. May the Lord bless the hearing and reading of his word. Happy Sabbath, everyone. And once again, welcome all those visiting today and those who came from far and those who came from near. May the Lord continue to bless each and every one of you. And that um, we pray that uh, when you leave church today, that you will leave with a sense that it was really worth to have come, not because of anything that you saw here portrayed by human so-called gifts, talents, or anything, but because you truly heard the word of God that he blessed you. Uh, if someone could just get these lights turned off so that we may have a clear vision of... Uh, I am still learning about PowerPoint all my life. I've been learning. I've been doing it for, for over 20 years. But this was supposed to be in one straight line. I don't know how this ended up here. I think it's a problem with your projector there. I don't <laughs> Anyways, you blame others, right? Christ, the divine, and the human. Actually, I think this is a good thing because the human should not be in the same line with the divine. But Christ, the divine, and the human. The text that was read today, I don't mean to say that uh, it was not well read. Actually, I will not do it as a, as a good job as a brother did, but let me just go through it, not because New King James Version is better than King James Version that he read. No, it is just a text, just a translation. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that, as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. How many of you here have been glorying in yourself? Amen? Oh. <laughs> she said, no. By the way, she said that God has downloaded so much love in her life. Sister, he has, using internet uh, language. Yes, he has downloaded and uploaded. So uh, don't keep it to yourself and don't ever delete it. Just copy and paste and share or forward to others. And you will receive even more. <laughs> but thank you. I, I like that language there. Um, in assuming humanity. Okay? In assuming humanity. Okay, is it okay to use, uh, just because of those who are visiting us, I'm not sure about them, but according to what they answer, I don't really care, but... <laughs> the church here is all right uh, for us to use by uh, passages from the spirit of prophecy, right? Because believe it or not, uh, I've been in a district once, long ago, 
that I was told. Here we use only King James Version and uh, very few passages from Ellen White. I said, all right, then things will change, I told them. <laughs> In assuming humanity, Christ took the part of every human being. God, Jesus took your part. Not, not, not your life. Not your person. Not you. You have to give your life, your person to him. He took your part. The part that you were supposed to go through. A being divine and human. Jesus was what? Divine and human. With his long human arm, he could encircle humanity, all of you. While with his divine arm, he could lay hold on the throne of the infinite. With capital I right there. So that he could unite you, all of you, all of us, with the throne of God, with God our Father. Because... The breaking of the law is a rebellion against God, is to walk away from God. And Sister White, well, before we go into it, I have to say this statement here. It's not written the Bible, in the Bible the way it is, and it is not written in the spirit of prophecy the way it is. But I know you will agree with me 100% that we are saved by the grace of God through Jesus' death on the cross. That's how we are saved. Do you believe it? And he who believes will be saved. But in between that, it says, and is baptized. Sister White, selected messages. Let's do this, okay? If you doubt, or if you want more information later, you ask me, I'll give you the Bible, the, the texts from the Spirit of Prophecy, but I will not say them to um, gain time. What a sight was this for heaven to look upon. Christ, who knew not the least taint of sin or defilement, took our nature in its deteriorated condition. Do you remember in the 80s when this big dilemma and discussion among the Adventist brethren across the entire world, did Jesus come in the nature of Adam before the fall or after the fall? A huge number of SDAs came to believe that Jesus came in the nature of Adam before the fall because they took that belief from the apostate churches out there. And remember when the Bible says that um, these are they who have not defiled themselves with women, which is those who have not believed in corrupted doctrines. That's the same thing. But many of us were believing those things. That, Adam, that Jesus came in the nature of Adam before his fall. But here and throughout the Bible you see the truth. And here you see it clarified by saying that took our nature in its deteriorated condition. This was humiliation greater than finite man can comprehend. God was manifest in the flesh. We will see another text about it later. He, he humbled himself 
What a subject for thought, for deep, earnest contemplation. Well, I should read it with the exclamation there. See, I need to. What a subject for thought, for deep, earnest contemplation. So infinitely great that he was the majesty of heaven, and yet he stooped so low without losing one atom of his dignity and glory. What he was in heaven, he brought to earth in his human flesh. Even though in his human flesh, he took our nature in its deteriorated condition. Wow! This is almost impossible. He stooped to poverty and to the deepest abasement among men. For our sake, he became poor that we through his poverty might be made rich. You know this statement here. Deepest abasement. I don't want you to think of deep abasement or deepest abasement. And I did work on a sermon on the crucifixion of Jesus and what really transpired on the cross and how a condemned person was crucified. And I preached it once. But it broke my heart so much that I had to share that truth that I never preached about it again. Because it was too much to think about it. But what transpired on the cross was a lot more than you see on the Bible. And I'm not saying that, you know, he was crucified naked because he was. What these painters in history that were God-fearing men, these artists, painted him with a piece of cloth, it was because of respect for him that they would never do it, portraying him naked. And I'm not talking about it. It goes beyond it. Deepest abasement among men. Christ submitted to insult and mockery, contempt, and ridicule. He heard his message, which was fraught or filled with love. Sister, he downloaded that love on you. And goodness and mercy. He, he heard his message that was filled with love, goodness, and mercy. Misstated and misapplied. You know what is the most unjust thing that can ever happened to us is when you say something and somebody else goes there and misstate it and misapply it. And guess what? Knowing what they are doing. Is, isn't it the most, the greatest betrayal, the, the worst thing that can ever happen to us? Hmm. That happened to him. It is not working. He heard himself called the prince of demons because he testified to his divine sonship. His birth was supernatural. But by his own nation, those who had blinded their eyes to spiritual things, it was regarded as a blot and a stain. You know, blot and stain is... Summarized in the word bastard. And they, 
What did they do with the book of Isaiah? What did they do with the book of Micah that told him, them that he would be born of a virgin? And now they are saying all these, these horrible things about him and treating him this way. There was not a drop of our bitter woe which he did not taste. Not a part of our curse which he did not endure. That he might bring many sons and daughters to God. You know, if you ever think and you pray, God, Lord, this is not fair. This is not fair because of this, this, this and that. Jesus knows it. Pray in his name. He understands it. He knows it. The fact that Jesus was on this earth as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, that in order to save fallen man from eternal ruin, he left his heavenly home, should lay in the dust all our pride, put to shame all our vanity, and reveal to us the sin of self-sufficiency. The reason I highlighted that word sin of self-sufficiency is just that I would like you to please keep that, word, that statement, not word statement, in mind. We will revisit later. We will revisit it later. Okay? In his incarnation, the Son of God... Uh, in his incarnation, the, the very Son of God, uh, in his divine nature, united with the human nature and making one person, he became the divine human being. The only instance, first time and the last ever. And for how long? Forever. We are talking about things that we do not understand. We just cannot understand it. We cannot fathom it. These two natures are opposite to each other. The divine and the human. And especially that the human was in its deteriorated condition. Totally opposite. Why? That was the only means through which you and I could be saved. Even though I believe that you are not the worst sinner in this world, but nonetheless, the Son of God became the second Adam in order to accomplish for us that that we could not accomplish for ourselves. We were lost. Lost forever. The two natures became one, bringing the... Bringing, uh, became one and sharing the same uh, divine life. Here, what the Bible says. Just a sample. We can go on with many, many Bible passages. In Luke chapter 135, he was the son of God. 
right? And in Luke 19.10, he became the son of man. What? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, when you type, look. Misspelling, and you'll see it more. Okay. John 1.4, in him was life. And in Galatians 4.4, then he was born of a woman. John 4.24, God is a spirit, Jesus is a spirit. And in John 1.14, he was made flesh. Philippians 2.6, he was in the form of God. And Philippians 2.7, he was, became in the form of, turning the form of a servant. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he knew no sin. That was something totally strange to him. And then he became sin for us. Now, how do you understand? Was he a sinful being? No. This is the idea that uh, he was affected by, uh, the, cons by, by uh, the destruction of sin, even to the point of putting him to death. Because God cannot die right but in order for him to give himself fully, he became a man. And in being faithful to God as a human servant, Satan said, this is the opportunity for me to put him to death. He either separate these two nation, nature and become the divine and leave this doomed human race to perish forever. Or he will die. If he wants to be linked with the, human, with the divine. He chose to rather die. Than to be separated. Than to go back to the father. James 4.12. He was the lawgiver. Galatians 4.4. He then was under the law. John 1.14 And the Word became flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is what John saw. He was full of grace and truth. His character pierced through the heart of John and all his disciples of old. And he did the same through your heart and mine. And that's why we are here in this building that we call church. And we call each other brothers and sisters. But then we have some issues. Because we have this brother and that sister. And he looks like this and he thinks like that. And she thinks like this and like that. And then we have this what? Clicks. Right? So, on the cross, the wages of sin, which of our sins, were paid by the death of the divine human Savior. Through Christ's life, death, and resurrection, all that He is, we are made in Him. But only through his death 
his, his life, his death, and his resurrection. If you believe in his death, you, as the, for the salvation of your sins, it is because you have believed in his life already. And if you believed in his resurrection, it is because you have believed in his death. Because those take place in that sequence. He had to have been born in order to die. And after being born, he had to live. And then he died. And in order for him to be resurrected, he had to have died. So we believe in all those. And we praise and we glorify him. And Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, after all this that has been said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so, situations that we deal with them in this world, in the life of a brother or sister, in our lives, these are all old things. There is a work for us to do. I did not put this, ta- this passage here, but um, I, I took it out. I, I, this, this message was supposed to last twice as, as long, but I took half of it out and it for us to be within the time, and then you will not be condemning me and so on. But uh, I, there was a passage there that Sister White is talking about. There is a work for us to do. And it seems like she's talking about the preaching of the gospel. Yes, we have to do those too. But a work for us to do, which is in relation to surrendering our lives because of things that were happening in her days and that there are, they are happening in our days. And these things were written in Revelation chapter 3 about a church called Laodicean. You and I, a church living in the very last days of earth's history. That church needs to be purified. And this work is done by Jesus But only when you surrender, when I surrender my life, our lives, to him. Here's one thing for you to keep in mind. I am not in problems as a minister, you know. Sometimes people have issues in their lives and so on. I'm not perfect. But praise God that I am not in in, in problems, in issues. I don't have, you know, God, God, God knows God knows. But let's do this. Everything I say to you or the message here, you don't feel condemned. I'm saying it to me, to myself. I'm preaching to myself. If this message were not valid or good for me when I prepared it and when I preached here, they are good for nobody. For me first. You are then a new, we are, you are a new people. You, you singular, are a new person. I am a new person person. Okay? Praise the Lord that we are made new. Praise Him and glorify His name. He is righteous and therefore in Him we too are made righteous. And that word is, um, he, is he does only what is right and good and we do only what is right and good in Him. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says the following, For by grace you have been saved through faith that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. 
a gift that, that God gave us. And then in verse 18 and 19 goes on to say, For through him we both, for through him we both have access by uh, one spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. How many of you here is a foreigner? I am. I'm not mean that. I don't mean that. By my English, you know, it doesn't matter how good I try to pronounce everything. People will say, yeah. He is not from here. You know, when I lived in the south in Georgia and you know, Tennessee, people there, um, as soon as, soon after I opened my mouth to say anything, they would say, you ain't from here, ain't you? <laughs> I used to say, I ain't, but I don't speak that way. I, I said, you know, I, I am, I'm not from the south. I am even better than being from the south. I am from the very deep south. Like South America, way there, like far. Oh, really? Uh, and then they say to my wife, you, you are a Yankee, aren't you? But we are all no, no, no foreigners anymore on this earth. We are here traveling. We don't belong to this earth. Try to make deals and live a life with, with secular people out there, you know, you ought to preach to them and reach them and so on. But try to live um, a good friendship with them and interact with them on a daily basis and go to their parties and, and so on. You will see the difference that you, you do not really belong to this world. You will see that they do certain things that you do not do anymore. Or you do. Okay. Enough. Let us go back to what I said. Let us revisit the statement. The sin of self-sufficiency. Sister White talks about the sin of self-sufficiency. Like so many times. Like literally hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. What is self-sufficiency? She says self-sufficiency. In that passage there is ignorance and self self ignorance and self sufficiency uh, go hand in hand. Is ignorance then self sufficiency is almost the same as ignorance, right? And then she says self sufficiency, self sufficiency, self satisfaction is the hardest of all sins to overcome. Have you committed adultery? Have you lied? Have you Stolen things and mistreated someone and killed someone. Those are all sins. But the hardest one to overcome is the sin of self-sufficiency. Another grievous sin exists to a large degree in our midst. is self-sufficiency. It is a spirit of wanting to be first. When I want to be first, I, I want, I'm the best, I'm uh, taller, I'm more this and more that, I am first. I, I need to be served first. I, in this dealing, if I do not get out gaining something, 
probably maybe even more than you, then there is no deal. Those, those type of ideas, those type of things. That is what is self-sufficiency. How dangerous is the sin of self-sufficiency? Man's great danger is in being self-deceived, indulging self-sufficiency, and thus separating from God the source of his strength. And then, you know, those dot, dot, dot there, there are a bunch of things that I cut, so welcome. Unless we become vitally connected with God, huh? unless we what? Become what? Vitally. It's a matter of life or death. Vitally connected with God. We cannot resist the unhallowed effects of self-indulgence, self-love, and temptation to sin. Do you want to stop sinning? Then I want. We have to be vitally connected with God. And she goes on to say, self-sufficiency was the ruin, is it there? Was the ruin of the leaders of Israel. They did not come to Christ because they did not think they needed a Savior. They refused to admit that they cherished sins which needed to be repented of and forsaken. How dangerous is the sin of self-sufficiency? She goes on to say, now this is about Christmas, more or less, okay? We marvel at the Savior's sacrifice in exchanging the throne of heaven for the manger and the companionship of adoring angels for the beast of the stall, human pride and self-sufficiency stand rebuked in his presence. Yet, this was but only the beginning of his wonderful condescension. You'd have been an almost, you'd have been what? Before I read the rest, you'd have been an almost infinite humiliation for the Son of God to take man's nature even when Adam stood in his innocence in Eden. In Eden. In other words, you'd have been a tremendous humiliation if he had come in the form of Adam before sin, in the perfection of Adam. You'd have been in infinite humiliation. But Jesus accepted humanity when the race had been weakened by 4,000 years of sin. Like every child of Adam, he accepted the results of the working of the great law of heredity. What these results were is shown in the history of his earthly ancestors. The history of his earthly ancestors. Highlighted. We will see it again in a minute. He came with such a heredity to share our sorrows and temptations and to give us the example of a sinless life. Wow, what a Jesus. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. What was the history of his earthly ancestors? 
that he came with the same heredity? Let's just revisit some of them. Of them. Judah, for example. Judah and Tamar. Tamar was Judah's daughter-in-law. Tamar had two sons. One married with her, and he was a wicked man. And, and then the other one, he died because of that, and the other one married with her, and he was a wicked man, and he died because of that. I don't want to go into the details. It's too ugly. And then he was supposed to give the third son, the youngest son. So he then decided to break the law, which he was supposed to give the youngest son. But if he did not have another son, he would himself have to marry her. This was the Liberite, called Liberite laws of the time. And God approved it so that he would continue the nation healthy, and, but, 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 but not married at once. But, you know, one dies, okay, the next one and the next one. And you see the, 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 in the case of uh, Ruth, that happened. Okay? Uh, so um, the son of uh, Tamar played a, a prostitute, and she deceived Judah. Two sons, uh, twins were born. One was Perez and the other one was Zerah. Perez is one of the great, great grandparents of Jesus. From a deceiver, Judah with the harlot. Rahab. Rahab. She was also a harlot who was hiding in the city of Jericho. And she is in the lineage of Jesus. A harlot. King David. You know, King David and uh, Bathsheba. But many Bibles, you see this title, and you find it interesting when you read it at first, and you do not know the Bible, you do not know what's going on, and so on. And in the, the statement, in the, in, the, in the title that you see under that chapter there, uh, above that chapter there, you are already suspicious. The title is like, The Story of David and Bathsheba, the Wife of Uriah. It's like, uh, The Story of Joseph and Fatima, Period. Don't say she's the wife of somebody else. Because he's going to be dead. Um. He, you know the story. He murders him. Then, by his title as king, he has the right to take whoever he wants as a wife. You know, when you use title and and, and, and power and your superiority over uh, you know a f a vulnerable person and so on in this case is equated to rape and he was a rapist and he was a, an adulterer and he was a murderer King David and Bathsheba both of them are in the lineage of Jesus King Solomon. King Solomon had a variety of foreign wives. Despise God warning the Israelites against intermarrying with pagan peoples. Out of love for them, King Solomon built all these shrines, these sanctuaries for their de the deities and the pagan gods of, their, of, of his wives. King Solomon is in the lineage of 
Jesus. King Ahaz. King Ahaz. In the Bible, you see the good kings in Israel and Judah, and then you see the bad kings. And they are intercalated. One comes in another, and then two or three, and then two, two or three good, and then two or three bad. Of all of them, the worst of them all was King Ahaz. He was the most horrible king in Israel. He won the prize of worst king in Judea. And according to the Bible, Ahaz essentially went through a checklist of all the things that God said for him to, for the kings not to do, and he did all of them. The bad kings did some of here and some there, but he went through all of, I mean, like it seems like he went through the list because he did all of them. King Ahaz, book of Matthew, is in the lineage of Jesus. Is one of his great, 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 great grandfather. King Joash. The high priest Jehoiada was well known. Actually, he is known in the Bible as the best high priest that, uh, that, that ever existed after uh, Aaron. So much so that when he died, he was buried in the city of David among the kings. The cemetery of the kings. To this day, the cemetery exists there. And when you go there, and you can visit where all the kings were buried. And this is one, the only instance that mentions that someone that was not a king was buried there. Had the high priest Jehoiada. He had a son called Zechariah. Okay. Zechariah spoke a few things that uh, condemned the sins of the nation. King Joash had him stoned to death. And to make it worse, he, is, he, he planned it for him to be stoned in the courtyard. Kind of a holy ground. Joash is in the lineage of Jesus. If you... <laughs> If you happen to have someone in your lineage, a great, 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 great grandfather, like I don't, I don't want to name no one here. <laughs> um, you and, and if, if if your great grandparents had half of these things committed in his life, you better don't don't mention to no one. You just say. Eh, no, who's your grandfather, grand... I don't know, I don't know, just lie. I tell you, if you don't want to be killed. You know, a minister telling you to lie, I'm just kidding. But they will maybe kill you because of your great-grandparents. And Jesus was their great-great-great-grandson. What was the text that we used earlier? The history of his ancestors. He came in their heredity. However, he was born and none of those things, far away from those things, happened in his life. What should we do to get rid of the sin of self-sufficiency? Here, I will not leave you in the limbo here questioning, well, this pastor comes to you with this 
Brazilian accent and he speaks of all these things and then he tells us and then he doesn't help us. Well, let me see here. I think I have the wrong text here. If I do, I'll not be able to help you and then you will be in trouble. Uh, all right, yeah, yeah. The constant strife in the soul. Okay, what, what, what should we do to get rid of the sin of self-sufficiency? The worst of all sins. The constant strife in the soul that results from selfishness and self-sufficiency must be rebuked. Huh? You rebuke it. You rebuke it. Oh, no, my goodness. Did I say that? Am I smiling? Did I smile? Oh, rebuke it. Away from me, Satan. You have to rebuke it. You have to correct yourself. I have to correct myself. There is a saying in English, when you put your, your foot in your mouth, it is when you say something you shouldn't have said. It was like, oh, no, it's too late. You rebuke yourself. And make sure, I will never, I will never do it again. I will never do it again. By God's grace, he will help me. And humility and meekness must take place of our natural self-esteem. I am, I'm, I'm the deacon. I'm not the head dick. I'm not saying you. Somebody else. I'm, I'm a <clears throat> no. Meekness, humility, be humble. Sister White says, I am pained beyond measure when I see men and women professing the name of Christ and yet manifesting not the spirit of Christ. For I know that they are dwelling in fatal delusion. So you don't want to live and, and, and dwell in fatal delusion. She goes on to say this. How to get rid of uh, the sin of self-sufficiency. Okay. It was through self-sufficiency that Peter fell. Huh? Peter fell because of self-sufficiency. And it was through repentance and humiliation that his feet were again established. Repent and humiliate. Then our feet will be reestablished. And Paul, Paul had been without knowledge of sin. Remember when he says, without the law, he was without the knowledge of sin. But when the law came and then I saw the sin and... But the great standard of righteousness condemned sin in the flesh. His self-sufficiency left him because of the righteousness of Christ that condemned and he saw his sin. And when he saw it, have you seen your sins? In the light of the righteousness of Christ. When you see it, then self-sufficiency will leave you. Self, his self-sufficiency left him. He received the truth declared in the gospel. Laid hold of the Savior. And the truth immediately began its work of purification. And Paul could just not live life but for the gospel. And the preaching of the gospel. And you read the, the stories of his persecution, how many times he was almost put to death. Then eventually he died for the gospel. His life was not as important as the gospel and as the truth that he learned. 
he was trained under Gamaliel, uh, this great teacher, I know of the law. You know, scholars in the New Testament, Pauline, called Pauline scholars, scholars that study the life of Paul with some other documents and what he wrote and what he was, the concepts and, and ideas that he was able to repeat through his letters over and over and quote from the Old Testament so precisely and so right made them believe that probably Paul memorized the entire Old Testament. He knew so much. But Jesus came and melted his heart to the point that now self-sufficiency went away. No, no, who am I? Who am I? But the greater of all sinners, huh? the chief of all sinners, of sinners, in Christ is all sufficiency for a self-directed life. Huh? Self-sufficiency? No. Christ's sufficiency that will take us to heaven. And to close, by renouncing your own self-sufficiency, giving up all things. Giving up how much? How many? All things. How precious? However dear to you, you may buy the gold, the raiment, and the eye self that you may see. The Laodicean church then is taken up to heaven. May the Lord continue to bless each and every one of you with this thought. And throughout the week and the days to come and many months and years, remember, sin of self-sufficiency, what a horrible sin. I need to depend on the sufficiency of Jesus Christ, my Savior, the only means through which we can be saved.